This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parsha Bahar Sinai deals in large part with the mitzvahs of uh, Shemitah, which is the counting of seven years until we get to the seventh year, which is uh, a year where we have to leave the fields totally fallow, don't work the fields at all, and depend on having made so much in the sixth year that we have enough to carry over for the seventh year and we won't be lacking anything. Uh, and then we go further and count seven, well, actually, uh, yeah, seven of these uh, seven-year cycles. And we get to the 50th year, which is the Yoival. And the Yoival is a, um, an, essentially another year of uh, Shemitah, where again, we're not allowed to work the fields, and we have to depend on having had enough bracha to uh, to carry on for another full year, um, which means that it's really like a fourth year till we finally get to eat the uh, new produce, because after the year of Shemitah, that's when we can first plant and then uh, wait until that uh, produce grows to be able to eat it. So at any rate, there's a considerable period of the um, of the land being left fallow, and we are uh, expected to uh, not have any doubt whatsoever that Hashem will come through and give us everything we need uh, to sustain ourselves for that period of time. Uh, and this is very reminiscent of the counting of the sphere, which we had in the previous parsha, uh, in the sense that sphere is also comprised of seven weeks, which uh, is a seven-day cycle. So just like we had the seven years going to the Shemitah, and here we have, there in the, by the, by the uh, sphere, we had five we had sorry, seven cycles until the 50th day, which is the time when they receive the Torah, which we commemorate with uh, the holiday of Shavias. So if you want to go you know, further to this, this concept of the cycle of seven, of course we have Shabbos, you know, after seven years, we don't have to, uh, seven days, we don't have to count each day, but you know, every, every seven days we have a Shabbos, and the Shabbos we're not allowed to work. So the whole thing is obviously one pattern which keeps getting repeated on larger and larger scale. Um, we talked about the work that we have to do, which we're expected to do in terms of uh, a self-searching uh, um self-evaluation of uh, correcting our mutis in order to uh, come to accept the uh, the Torah on our Sinai 50th, 50th day, assuming that we're doing that preparation of preparing ourselves for that. And 
that preparation is a preface to being able to receive the Torah, to being ready to receive the Torah. So that's why we have to count all that time. Accounting the time, specifically, we are become masters of the time itself. When you count something, you are in control of it. Whereas if it just happens by itself and you're and you're not uh, aware of the time passing, even uh, it just gets out of control. But if you are actually counting each day, even before it happens, then you are dedicating it to a particular activity. So you can be in control of of uh, devoting time to a certain thing, and therefore you become the balbus of the time, you become the master of that time, and you're devoting it in a systematic way towards a goal and towards an ultimate um, uh, event which will, which will, which can only really take place if, you, if it has that preparation, you know, in its entirety, in its fullness. Um, one of the things today that we don't appreciate enough is uh, the difficulty that was experienced in other generations, uh, both in terms of Shemitah Shabbos itself, just keeping the Shabbos, uh, and certainly in terms of Shemitah, of uh, leaving the land fallow. Today, neither has the same kind of nesoyan, uh, the, the, uh, the challenge uh, that they did in other periods of time. I mean, for certain, certainly the idea of Shemir Shabbos was very difficult in different generations and different places. Uh, in, in the United States, for example, when it was still a six-day week, six-day work week, um, Shabbos was one of those days and you were expected to work on Shabbos and if you didn't work on Shabbos then you were generally just dismissed from the job and go try to find another job in my own family my great grandfather uh, came over from Europe before the first world war and he uh, was an egg candler in Europe and he wasn't able to find work rather he, you know, every job that he, that he found uh, because he he refused to work on Shabbos. He was thrown out, and then he had to go find another place to work. Until he finally, after running out of places to go to, he uh, established his own his own business, and a, a dairy business, and that stayed in in the family in the family for four generations. I was the last one to uh, to keep it going for a few years. But uh, at any rate, it was a very big uh, sacrifice, and a lot of people didn't hold up to that design. Some of those who did actually became huge entrepreneurs. I mean, some of the most successful uh, businesses in the United States were started by Jewish uh, businessmen that were forced to, own their own, to open their own, uh, their own business because they wanted to be Shomer Shabbos and they couldn't do it any other way. Um, some big department stores started that way. Those other stores, other, other businesses. Um, at any rate, that was a big, a, a big problem. It was very difficult. In fact, when the uh, Munkacher Rebbe before the war uh, was, uh, there, there was a um, newsreel being made of his uh, of a chasana that he was making a, um, a Rebbe's wedding, and um, the. Uh, Cameras in front of the cameras, they asked him to send a message to the Jews of the United States, and his message was keep Shabbos. You know, he knew that there was a big problem with keeping Shabbos in the states, so he, his message was keep the Shabbos. Uh, don't, don't, don't uh, you know, don't fall into that trap. Um, at any rate, 
that is really the basis for all of the other cycles that we have of Shemitah and, um, and ultimately the Yoival. Uh, of course, Shemitah and Yoival are only in in in, uh, in Eretz Yisrael. actually might be in Eretz also. I'm not sure. But uh, basically, this is a, a, a situation where it's Israel, and of course, there have been generations that uh, Shemitah was barely observed at all because it was uh, considered just too difficult for the, for the farmers to survive. And, um, and of course, even in the times of uh, the Bismigdash, when the Yoyal was uh, observed, there's uh, the the retelling in, in Novi of the situation where they, the landowner owners didn't want to free the slaves and the slaves were um, and they actually they, they ended up freeing them but then immediately they went back and captured them again and forced them to be slaves again so they obviously was not, not what Hashem wanted that was leading up to the uh, I think the Corpus Mishmikdash the exile which happened soon afterwards as I know Anyway, so the point is that um, this involved a great deal of, uh, of sacrifice that we really can't appreciate today. But uh, especially the way that we observe Shemitah today is really doesn't involve too much sacrifice. Uh, even for those who want to observe it more strictly and only eat from, um, from uh, things that were brought in from, from other countries, but at least that's a possibility today and, and, and ancient times they didn't have that, that option um, so obviously King Shemitah was, was much more difficult at the time anyway um, the point is that we have to think about the whole question of what we're doing here in the world and how much trust we have to have for Hashem uh, in in our daily life, and what our value system is in terms of what we're really here for, and what we're expected to do, because when you come to ultimate questions like this, of uh, when we see that the the real goal is a situation where we devote our lives totally to serving Hashem and don't worry about pranas at all, uh, how do we? How do we reconcile that with a lifestyle which is in which we're so uh, involved with uh, our pranasa and building ourselves up and building, particularly in the Hislars, building up a fortune and you know having nice things and nice houses and luxuries and this kind of thing and and spending a great deal of our time and effort on the acquisition of these kinds of things? Uh, is that really what Hashem wants from us or not? And was, is that really the reason why we're here? We have this idea of counting is uh, becoming a master of time, meaning that it is dedicated towards something specific, which is moving towards an ultimate uh, destination, an ultimate goal. So all the time is devoted to something. It's not simply being used uh, in a haphazard way or as if there was no real purpose uh, intended for it. And the fact that um, we take this concept of the 49 days leading to the acceptance of the Torah on the 50th day during Sfiyas Oimer is now transferred to the idea of our entire lives uh, having that kind of accountability uh, in the uh, concept that the Yoival 
comes after the 50 years because that's the ultimate um, purpose of serving Hashem totally uh, single-mindedly um, and relying on Him totally. Um, and that's a cycle which repeats constantly. So we're always, it's a, a mitzvah on the uh, bezin to uh, be counting those years uh, going towards the oval and then on the oval itself we have this total reset where we go back to where we started from and, um, and start all over again so that's our, uh, encompasses our entire lives uh, that we're accountable and um, uh, structured in that way <clears throat> there's no time that can be considered to be just our own to use as we as, uh, as we wish. Unfortunately, we don't <clears throat> have the concept of the oval today. But the fact that this is a mitzvah in the Torah means that that really is what's, how it's supposed to be. And we have to be, that should be, our consciousness should be on that level. Uh, so we talked somewhat about the idea of the Shabbos as being something that has to be uh, sacrificed for when necessary um, because we're putting that time above any personal uh, needs or desires and uh, if it means depending on Hashem totally for our sustenance so that's exactly the same idea as the Shemitah where we uh, realize that Hashem is totally in charge and even if we have to rely on Him totally we'll still survive um, which has been the case you know, throughout history <clears throat> despite the fact that we do deserve Shemitah so the idea is, with uh, if we take again a uh, an example from Shabbos. So first of all, the, this, the idea of the number seven alone, seven is beyond the physical world. The physical world is represented by six sides, so to speak, the four directions, and uh, you know, north, north, south, east, west, plus up and down. So it creates kind of a cube which represents all of all of reality. That's associated with the number six. You go to the seventh. The seventh is like the center point, which uh, determines and holds together and gives form to all those six sides by bringing them together surrounding that single point. So the point is above the reality. It's something that gives form to reality and uh, is a gives it the potential of of containing something. Um, and bringing the and becoming a vessel for the energy of Hashem, to to uh, which is what makes up reality. It's it's the energy which enlivens it, not uh, the uh, the vessel that it's put into. So that's beyond the idea of Gashmi, the idea beyond the physicality of the world. Uh, then when you go to the eighth, like we do on Shmini Atzeres, for example, on Simchas Torah, where the, it represents the eighth day, which is beyond even the seventh. Day, so the seventh is already taking us out of uh, the everyday reality, and the eighth is going even to a higher level, which represents the, the level of Mashiach altogether. So that's also the concept of the seven weeks going to the fiftieth day, which is uh, again putting that all together into one thing, which is on a totally different reality. And the same thing with the uh, Oivil is being uh, taking the seven cycles of seven years and going to the uh, the day that that is after all of that, which is outside of everything, it's not it's not even uh, considered part of that uh, that seven times seven cycle, um, and brings us to an entirely new reality and uh, a total reset, as we say, of going back to the way the things were originally. 
before we start, started getting involved in building everything up. So just as on Shabbos, the resting that we're instructed to do on Shabbos, not out of laziness or just to take, just to take it easy, rather to be able to turn our attention to what really counts and not make the work itself an end in itself. And we'll talk a little bit about that later, why that is a particular danger. Um, and it reminds us that our real essence is to serve Hashem, that that's what we're really about. That's the tachlis. That's what we're working towards. So even if we have to be preoccupied to some extent with our uh, work that we're doing throughout the week, we eventually come to that, that uh, level of um, spending that full time, that full day in the service of Hashem. Uh, and realizing that that's you know a win-win situation that's good for us and it's good for for our relationship with with, with him as well, that we take that time off and uh, realize that that overrides uh, anything that we have to do uh, to gain some some uh, uh, physical advantage uh, in this world. And we're not really worried that that the Jew will, by by being bottle uh, being not being busy with uh, working on that day, is going to get into trouble because his essence is to serve Hashem. That's where he, who he really is. So we're not worried that he's going to uh, use it. The next thing is to understand what is true freedom, because just as um, the giving of the Torah on the fiftieth day is uh, considered to be freedom. The toy represents freedom. So it's, uh, the, uh, rather than Chores Al-Alichos, instead of being inscribed on the tablets, we're supposed to read a Chores Al-Alichos, that there's freedom on the tablets. So what is that freedom when, we're, when it seems to be restricting our, our choices by telling us what to do? Uh, the common uh, modern interpretation of the concept of freedom is the freedom to do what you want, to have total, uh, nobody, nobody over you, nobody, no authority that's telling you what you have to do. So why is the Torah, which is dominating our lives and telling us very much what to do, why does that, the acceptance of the Torah uh, indicate that we are totally free? So the way to understand that is to understand that our desires come from somewhere. Why do we want what we want? Why do we have desires at, at all? What, what is the, the source of all that? Um, and who are we serving in our lives? Uh, if we're, we're always serving someone, it was our, if, unless you know, our, our actions are totally uh, unpredictable and uh, you can't know from one day to one minute to the next what the person's going to do, they're based on some kind of values or some kind of desires or some kind of uh, behavior that uh, is based on something. So what, is, what are we serving if we're not serving Hashem? So if we're not serving our creator, so who are we serving? So we're serving ourselves. Or we're serving some other uh, power that we um, uh, assume has a right to tell us what to do or whatever. So a person chooses another religion, for example. So he's choosing a different god. But, he's, but it is an idea of a god. He's not, he's not just doing whatever he wants. If he is, is, his life is devoted to doing what he wants, then he has to know where those desires are coming from. If they're coming from the satisfaction of physical desires, then it's coming from the body. And if it's coming from the body, then how does that make him any different than an animal? Because an animal is also just 
just uh, fulfilling its physical needs, its physical desires, and it's not uh, devoting its life to something higher. If it's uh, devoting itself to his own, what he's, he has figured out uh, through his own thinking, his own independent thinking, what, what his value should be, then he's serving the uh, limitations of his own understanding. It was if he's trying to reinvent the wheel or if he's, uh, uh, if he's integrated his thoughts from some other sources, that's dependent, that's easy. He's basically making up his own religion, and then he's dependent on the, the uh, shortcomings of his own uh, lack of understanding or lack of experience or lack of learning. He's limited by his own limitations. Whereas when one decides to, the, 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 the one that he's following, the one that he is um, dedicating his life to uh, is, is Hashem himself, is the creator himself who has ultimate wisdom and ultimate uh, uh, experience, so to speak, and knows everything and, and, and is everywhere and all that. So then you're putting yourself in the service of something which is much higher than you. Not only that, if he's ultimately powerful, of course this all assumes that you believe in Hashem to begin with. You don't believe in Hashem, so it's pretty hard to be religious. But assuming that you do believe that Hashem exists and that Hashem has given over this this uh, wisdom to us, and, and you know, that's the... That's the uh, result of all this wisdom, then it seems uh, it, it's pretty obvious that we're, by choosing to be to ally ourselves with him, we are benefiting from everything that he is, uh, that he represents and that he is giving over to the world. So if it, it's if, if you have, for example, if a person was to be an employee of a multi-billionaire, which there are you know, a number of them today. Um, and if his relation was with this billionaire was such that, that, um, that the billionaire is ready to give over everything that he has for that person, or was it like such a, such a close relationship that, um, that, that he has access to everything that, his, that this billionaire uh, employer has. Um, because it's not just a relationship of uh, an employer to employee, but rather uh, almost a, a father to child relationship, a relationship of a, on a much deeper level, then um, that person has virtually uh, unlimited outlet. I mean, uh, options or very, um, very much more than he would have on his own. Let's say um, so by becoming allied with Hashem and united with Hashem in the kind of relationship that Hashem wants to have with us, then we, rather than being slaves to ourselves and all of our own limitations, we now become have access to Hashem's unlimited resources and His own power and His own uh, love and all of these things that, that He wants to entrust us with. And if we trust Him and He trusts us, that means a mutual trust. So then it leads to a mutual devotion where we're each uh, dedicating ourselves to the needs of the other um, so that there, there can be no higher freedom than that because of, you know, who are we involved with here? It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a creator who has no limitations. Uh, besides that, we have to realize that when people, the more people uh, depend on each other, 
the more they, the closer they become. And uh, a good example of that is the uh, husband, the traditional roles of the husband and wife, where the husband goes out and, 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 and makes the, uh, the pranasa, he's the one who's supposed to provide for the family, and the, and the wife is the one who runs the home and uh, the children and everything else. So in that situation, the husband is totally dependent on the wife for that very, very basic role of, of uh, providing for the, you know, the home, which is, you know, the, to a large extent, the, 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 the basis of, uh, of what we're working for. And, uh, and the wife is totally dependent on the husband for uh, keeping it going by bringing in the pranasa that, that, that needs, to be, needs to be brought. So that brings them... They're, they're not independent of each other. On the contrary, they're very dependent on each other. And that means that they have to have a close relationship in order for that to work. It, it demands that they have that interaction. Whereas if they're all both independent, then each one can think, well, I could get along without the other one. I don't need that, that person in particular. And if they you know, get into fights or something, then they just split up, which is basically the situation today where that, those roles no longer exist in, 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 a, in an average relationship, it seems. Um, and uh, they don't have that kind of interdependence, so they can very well get along without the other one altogether, and they feel like, you know, so it doesn't really matter whether we're together or not. They're not so invested in each other. Um, so in a case where we depend on, Hish- on Hashem for, for certain things, when Hashem depends on us for, for, for bringing him into the world, because that's how we set it up, um, then we also depend on Hashem totally for what we uh, need to, to stay alive and, and for the purpose of our lives altogether. So it, 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 at a time, for example, like Shemitah, and even more so the Yoival, where we're dependent on him totally for his, his sustenance and we, don't even, we can't even work to, 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 to provide that uh, and to have the illusion that we're doing it for ourselves, so then our, our dependence of Hashem becomes total. And that means that we get even closer because it's a it's a, it's a visceral thing. It's it's a it's it's empirical that we see that Hashem is keeping us alive, even though we're not able to work. So obviously, uh, we're very uh, we're we're very grateful for that, and we and we feel Hashem's interaction with us even more. Whereas if we didn't depend on Hashem on that level, then we'd never be able to experience that total dependence, and we wouldn't feel that kind of closeness. Also, we realize that the Torah itself is, is uh, freeing us from all those other illusions of uh, what we call false gods. I mean, materialism and, and uh, the idea of that I do everything for myself and, and, uh, and I'm independent or any of these other things that can distract us from uh, giving, us, uh, giving ourselves over totally to Hashem um, and, and all the kinds of false uh, uh, ideals and values that really don't uh, hold up in the long run, and the Torah is freeing us from falling into all those traps. So on a deeper level, what is the Yoival about? Um, it comes down to the question of really why do we have to work at all? Why did the Shem set it up that way that we should be working? And according to the uh, to the, the, the view of Kabbalah, uh, the concept of the result brings down about the idea of the Shriya Sakalim, how the, the uh, originally the the vessels which were which brought Hashem's energy into the world and um, 
sought to contain Hashem's energy were overwhelmed by it and, and cracked or whatever. They just they weren't able to hold up to it. And the resulting uh, sparks, the, the, the uh, particles, fragments of that, uh, that uh, world fell into the uh, aspect of what's called the klipas, the, the, um, the superficial uh, gashmias, uh, the material world, and have to be liberated from there through our using that physical world through mitzvahs. So uh, all the mitzvahs that involve um, that, that involve the, the physical world, we do mitzvahs with them. And one of the main things, uh, types of mitzvahs that we do is, is the, the agricultural mitzvahs, uh, working the land and how we do that according to Torah. And one of the big things being Shemitah and Yoibel, the fact that we don't work the land, uh, is also a mitzvah that, that, that uh, unites the, uh, the working of the land with, with Torah, together with all the other mitzvahs involved in planting and uh, and uh, how we uh, how we we use the the land I mean one of the um, one of the six sections of the Shemais is uh, Zruim which is the whole the whole uh, the whole Seder HaMishnah is dealing with agricultural mitzvahs. Uh, but it could be anything else as well. I mean the way we do our businesses uh, is determined through um, through Chosh Mishpat, one of the four divisions of the Shulchan Orach, telling us how to how to work, how to deal with business, and Moya uh, Hadim is talking about how to deal with time, and uh, all everything involved with our lives is, is involved with mitzvahs. So that gives us the opportunity to bring Hashem into all those physical things thereby elevating them and bringing them back to their source. The trouble is, is that since part of our way of, of, of serving Hashem is davka through working and through doing things, manipulating the physical world, so then we can fall into the trap of serving that as an end in itself. And then we're looking for more than we need just to stay alive and rather looking to gain something from our involvement with the physical world. And the physical world itself becomes an avoidazora. It becomes another thing that is uh, taking our attention away from Hashem by something that we devote our time and effort to and for our own gain because it you know, we're looking to become more comfortable or to get a higher status in the community or uh, because everybody else is doing it or all the other reasons that people put their time and effort into, uh, into uh, physical gains. So if that is a distraction from Hashem, then that's only getting in the way of our relationship with Hashem as opposed to promoting our relationship with Hashem by, by being masakin, by fixing the Gashmias and bringing out the, 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 the sparks from the Gashmias and all those things that help to elevate the world to, 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 to Hashem. Instead, we're, we're serving those things for themselves, for their own, for, for, for their own uh, advantage. And now that's getting in the way. So the idea of the Yoivel is by returning us to our original state before we started that whole, that got involved in that whole uh, ASIC, that whole business of, of, of benefiting ourselves with our work. Um, it's, it's freeing us, you know, divesting us of all those gains and putting us back to where we started from, showing us that 
that's not necessary and that in fact it's only it's only uh, become uh, an obstacle it's become something that gets in the way of a relationship and it's just as and then this is the reason why you have the yoival uh, occurs on is, is declared on Yom Kippur because just as Yom Kippur is divesting us of all the evaders that we did that got in the way of our relationship with Hashem and we come out clean so in the same respect the Yoival is uh, divesting us of all these gains that we had put our trust in and uh, and devoted so much time to and put us back where we started from to, to, to show us that, you know, to, to get rid of all of that extra junk and all that extra uh, stuff that is actually getting in the way of our serving Hashem um, and, uh, and having a uh, counterproductive uh, effect on our relationship. So now we're free of all that, and now we can get back to the to the essence of uh, who we are and uh, and and how we are going to serve Hashem to begin with in, in a in a uh, more sincere and more uh, uh, focused uh, uh, level. So just as a slave, it's one of the reasons why the slaves are freed on uh, on the Yovel. Also, the Shemitah also is a level of that, but uh, even more so on the Yodel, that um, the slave can only serve Hashem on a lower level uh, by not being able to serve him with the mitzvahs that are related to time. So the same respect, because, because why, why? Because he has two masters. He's, he's serving Hashem, but he's also serving the master that he's enslaved to. Uh, so if a person takes on materialism as a master, and he's serving materialism, and that's a, that's a, that becomes a second master. So that's why he can't serve Hashem totally. So now he's at the oil, he's divested of that second master. Now he doesn't have to serve the materialism because he realizes that his total attention should be going to Hashem and Hashem will, will provide. So then uh, now he's returning to his source and he's liberated from that distraction and now he can serve Hashem totally. So that's one of the things that we see with the, uh, the machloikas, the... the um, the uh, difference in opinion between the Rashbi and the Shmuel, where the Rashbi held that we should that we should serve Hashem 100 percent of the time, and uh, the work will be done by others. We don't have to worry about that. Whereas Shmuel held that you should be involved in in planting when it's time to plant, and and, and, and harvesting when it's time to harvest. But all the rest of the time, you should devote to study. So they say that a lot of people tried to be on the level of uh, Rashvi, and it didn't work out for them. And there others tried to to uh, employ employ the method of uh, Bishmul, and it did work out for them. So the question is, why were there people for whom the Rashvi's method did not work? So you can have understood this way: that if a person is not on the level to really trust Hashem a hundred percent, that even if he doesn't uh, do his ishtadlis if he doesn't uh, isn't isn't personally involved that Hashem will take care of him. So then it's not going to work out for him. It's, it's, it, he will not have the schis to uh, uh, have Hashem have it work out through others, and he will have to go himself and do the work himself because he's not on the level to really believe that that's that's really possible. And how does he show that he doesn't believe it? Because if he really believes that 
there is a, such a thing as personal gain that a person can can have more than a minimum that he's uh, it's, it's it's justifiable for him to think for himself or to think of, of himself and his family that he wants to have a better uh, life in in the material world as well so if that's part of his goals then he he really doesn't understand the concept that one the person really is here in order to use the gashmias to bring it closer to Hashem, but not that he should be personally taking advantage of it. So then that kind of a shkofa is not going to be, it's not going to work for him. He's always going to be uh, worried or he's going to be um, uh, unhappy because he's not, doesn't have enough and uh, he looks at what other people have and all that, that kind of thing. So it's, it's going to be a uh, uh, conflict for him. So if uh, if he's on that level, then he's he's not. It's not going to work for him to just sit and serve and try to serve Hashem uh, all the time and think that that's going to that that he's going to be satisfied with that. Uh, that only works for the people that really have that 100 percent hashkafa. But again, on the yovel, when we see that this is really the, the true reality, we're living that way, and we see that this is, we can still sustain ourselves, and Hashem is taking care of us even when we don't do anything for ourselves. So then it's pretty hard to avoid that. Um, that that realization that you know Hashem is looking for that that hundred uh, percent connection, hundred percent reliance. Um, there's also another very important, um, very important uh, taitsua result of of this whole experience is that ultimately we one of the one of the biggest things that people have to worry about is uh, is a, a challenge in people's lives. They shouldn't be jealous of other people. They shouldn't feel like somebody else has something that they should have had. And why do that, does that person have it and they don't have it? And this is like one of the things that, that uh, bothers people and makes people uh, do all kinds of things that, uh, um, that they shouldn't be doing. Even having those feelings, a person shouldn't have the feeling, let alone that it can cause people to act in ways that are extremely uh, problematic. So when you go through the oival and you realize that ultimately all this stuff is going to be taken away from you anyway, and you're going to go back to where you started out, which is where you really belong, and, what, and, and those, that, that's your, your original chilka, your original uh, uh, possession or whatever that Hashem gave you, Yerusha, that you, you inherited, and that was what you were really meant to serve and not, or to, to, to use out uh, for Hashem and not uh, all these self-acquired uh, gains. So then you realize that there's nothing to je- be jealous of anybody else for, because first of all, you have your own particular uh, uh, unique uh, portion to work out that doesn't belong to anybody else anyway. And also, no matter if you acquire things later on, you're just going to lose them in the end anyway, so it doesn't have any lasting value. So really, we're supposed to have that the, the very concept of life and death, the fact that we can't take, a, take it with us, and you know, we have to, to give it back anyway, ultimately, should, should bring us and should lead us to that conclusion. But people still think, well, I have it, I can give it over to my children and everything. Here, in the course of your own lifetime, you have to give it up. So it's not, there's no point in, in uh, being jealous of somebody else's possessions, uh, worldly possessions, um, because uh, ultimately you, you're not going to be able to uh, to benefit from that uh, even even in your own lifetime, let alone in, in uh, after you after you die. So anyway, so the point is that um, the yovel is a tremendous. Just even thinking about it and and knowing that that concept exists is a very uh, life changing and transformational uh, realization. Something that really should make us think twice about what our values really are and where, our, where we're expending our efforts. And if, those, if we're really being conscious of the fact that 
we have our own unique role and our own unique tick and our own unique uh, um, uh, uh, transformation that we're expected to make with our lives. And it doesn't have anything to do with anybody else has or with uh, any ideas we have of, you know, how we can better our lot uh, to have the maximum enjoyment of, of, of our life in this world. Um, and rather we should be looking beyond that and looking at the, the true reality and where things really come from and where they're really going to and how we're spending our time and to whom we are devoting our efforts. Thanks for listening, and remember to check us out at patreon.com slash nakuda, and also at nakuda.org. And remember that you can dedicate a program to any event or uh, in memory of anyone or whatever. Um, just give us a email at info at nakuda.org.